You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 7. Enjoy. Hallelujah. God is good. Well, let's, let's uh, I'm telling you, something uh, really exciting is going to happen this morning, and uh, <laughs> I just love when God does this. But you know, um, when you're in a, a war, and there's a war going on, right, in the spiritual realm, the enemy tries to deceive you. And the, the truth is, whether we realize it or not, we have an enemy. And uh, he, he used to be known as Lucifer. His name is Satan now. And that name literally means adversary. He's the one who's against you. Are we rolling over there, Judah? All right, good. He's the one who's against you. Now, isn't that a stinker? That you've got a fallen angel against you, right? A spiritual being trying to steal from you and destroy you and confuse you and depress you and, and, and uh, make you want to quit. Do you believe that? Do you believe there is such a being as that? I don't know. Maybe we made it up, you know, just to form some kind of a club or something. No, actually, he's existed long before we ever did, and he's not a figment of our imagination. Jesus taught and, 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 and dealt quite a bit with Satan. So something's going to happen this morning. A strategy of the enemy is going to be exposed. And I've noticed in my life, when, when the Lord is getting re- giving me a word to expose a, a strategy of darkness, th- there's some resistance that goes on. Because, you know, what the enemy doesn't want their plans revealed. So I'm going to pray right now, and I want you to really focus on Jesus Christ this morning. Because we are in a battle, okay? And God has given you the victory. So it's a stinker that we have an adversary, but it's a glorious celebration that we have a Savior and a Lord and a great general who's done the fighting for us, right? So our job really is a good fight of faith. And it's a good fight because Jesus has given us the victory. So our part is to believe that. Isn't that wonderful? To grab a hold of what he's done for us by faith. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We, we didn't come here to go to church We've come here because we are your church. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you. You did that through your son. You've made us new creations in you. So, Father, we thank you for this new life. And we say no to confusion and fear and worry. No to to darkness and yes to you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for illuminating our hearts this morning and revealing more of Christ to us. I thank you for your liberty reigning in every life and family represented here. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready? Yeah. You got your seatbelts on, don't you? All right, good. That's why these chairs come equipped with seatbelts. All right. So we're in the middle of a series right now called Built Jesus Tough. And boy, the more it goes on, the more I like it. Because God's doing something inside of us. He's making us stronger. And we're built Jesus tough at Highway Church. And anyone drive a Ford truck in here? Anyone built Ford tough? All right. Well, we're built Jesus tough here. Nothing against Ford. But there's a greater strength in this life than what man can build. And it's the strength of God. Things change when you make God the strength of your life. When you let God. Be the strength of your life. Jesus was tougher than tough. No one could could deter him from his God-given purpose. No one could make him quit. No one could sidetrack him. 
No one could steal from him what his father had given him. He went all the way and fulfilled God's purpose for his life, and he did it for you. Isn't that wonderful? Well, we're going all the way. We're going to fulfill God's purpose for our lives, and there's no devil that's going to sidetrack us. There's no demon that's going to pull us off of God's path for our lives. We're finishing our race with glory and strength and confidence. Hallelujah. And you know, there's only two steps to becoming Jesus tough. How simple is that, right? We know what step number one is. Step number one is making God the Father your all in all. In other words, you personally, because no one else can do this for you, you make a decision with your own heart, with your own mind. You employ your own will. And you decide that your relationship with God the Father from now on will be the motivating passion of your life. And you absolutely refuse to let anyone or anything challenge that. And there are challenges. There are things that want to compete with your relationship with your father. But we're built Jesus tough, right? We've made a decision and we're not going back that our relationship with our heavenly father is the passion of our lives. And that's step number one. And step number two, there we are, two steps, right? Is then you begin to build your life on his promises. Isn't that wonderful? And that, but it is different living that way. And boy, when I find someone who's doing that, my heart leaps. I'm like, yeah, right? Because most people build their lives on what they've been through, on how they've been treated, on their past experiences, on the wisdom of man. But we're different here. We, build our, we make our daily decisions where we're going to live, where we're going to work, how we're going to employ our gifts and our talents, our time and our resources, we make those decisions based on the promises of God, based on who He is and what He's done for us in Christ. That's how we live. That's our frame of reference. And His promises reveal to us His heart. That's why we love His promises. The power of His promises is not the promise themselves, but the heart of God that's revealed through the promise. So we're, we major in the promises of God. They reveal his heart, and the promises of God reveal the true knowledge of God. And boy, you've got to know the true knowledge of God because there's a lot of knowledge of God being preached that's not true. I mean, it's just flooding the airwaves. A lot of things said about God in Christian churches that aren't true. Shouldn't have to say that, but it's true anyway, Right? So we want to know the true knowledge of God. How are you going to find the true knowledge of God? Not from me, from the promises of God in your Bible. Yeah, Jesus Christ is the true knowledge of God. And don't ever accept anything anyone ever says to you if it's contrary to the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Can we put up Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Hosea 4, 6? Astounding statement the Lord makes back in Hosea. He says, my people are destroyed because it's my will for their lives. No. no. But that's what some teach. No, it's not God's will for anyone to be destroyed. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Knowledge of God. 
not arithmetic, right? Knowledge of God. My people are destroyed. The destroyer is able to steal from people and confuse people and destroy people because their lack of knowledge of who God really is. Right? If someone came to your home claiming to be, in fact, we, had a, we were looking for a car uh, uh, through, an, through an app, and we got an ad on uh, or an, uh, an offer. A car was being sold. Great example. And it was a really good deal, and it was a common scenario. This person claimed to be active duty. He wasn't, but he claimed to be. And he said, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being transferred overseas, and, and, and um, I've got to get rid of this car because I don't want to pay for the storage, and real low price. So, so we, contact, we, we emailed back and forth. I said, can you please send me a, a picture? I didn't assume that what he's saying is true, but I know that scenario, uh, being in active duty previously myself, that does happen where you're getting transferred, you don't want to pay for the storage of your vehicle, so you sell it at a real great price. So I asked him, I said, just send me a picture of the VIN number and the title. And he responded, but he didn't really respond directly. He started describing his story. And then he signed at the bottom something like Staff Sergeant uh, Medical Corps or something. I thought, oh, okay, so he's claiming he's active duty now. And I said, well, I've, I've served active duty myself, and one of the things we learned in, in the service was to answer quest, direct questions with a direct answer. <laughs> I said, you haven't done that yet. I never heard it from him again. So that was the end of that, and he, and he took his ad down. It was a scam. He was using something, a real-life scenario, to try and make money. See? You can't take people at their word, right? Well, that's what Satan, well, you've got to know the true knowledge of God. If we would have paid him that money, guess what? We would have never seen the car. It turned out the car wasn't in New England. It was, I don't even know if there was, probably wasn't a car, actually, excuse me. But the way his story unfolded and the way he scooted out of there as soon as I called him on there was revealing. But you've got to call the enemy on his schemes. And we're going to call him on it today. It might hurt a little bit. It's a good kind of hurt. I like what the Navy SEALs used to say, uh, weakness, pain is weakness leaving the body. I like that. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Right? Sometimes you're holding on to a belief that's causing you pain. You need to let it go. Yeah. We're going to let it go today. We're not going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. We're people who know him. Why do we know him? Because we take him at his word. We put our faith in his promises. You want to hear some true knowledge of God? You ready for this? Here's some true knowledge of God. It's God's will for you to be whole. It's his will. His sovereign will. Spirit, soul, and body. You want to hear some more true knowledge of God? Not only is it His will for you to be whole, spirit, soul, and body, but He's made provision for your wholeness, and it's available to you today. Right now. Pronto. This moment. So we've been talking in our series. Uh, we started out talking about knowing him, then about the promises of God. Then we started going through the three parts of you, right? You are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Okay, very important to understand that. So we started going through talking about your spirit, that God has provided wholeness for your spirit. And please listen to the previous messages in this series. You'll be so glad you did. They'll help you tremendously. 
And then we, we moved into the soul, and we're going to finish, I think, with the soul today and move into the body next week, okay? I just want to be led by the Spirit, and we'll, we'll go as He directs to the best of uh, our ability as we're endeavoring to do. But we're going to finish with the soul today. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your spirit and your soul are not the same thing. The world doesn't understand this, okay, because they haven't accepted the true knowledge of God. But your spirit is who you are. Your soul is the equipment God has attached to your spirit, okay, your mind, your will, and your emotions. They are not the same, but they are connected. So you can't separate your soul from your spirit. You can only discern between it. And that's where the challenge comes in. And we've learned in these last couple of messages that Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is the tool that enables us to discern between our soul, what our soul's telling us, and what our spirit is telling us. It's essential to discern between the two. Because if you live by your soul, you're going to struggle and, and, and fail in this victorious life that God has for you. All right? So we want to walk in the spirit. So many believers are struggling today. They're born again. Their spirit is made new. They may even be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and operating in spiritual gifts, but they're struggling in their day-to-day -day life. And the reason is they're walking by their soul instead of their spirit, and they don't realize it. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. This is written by the Holy Spirit through Paul to every one of us who's put our faith in Jesus Christ. This is written to believers. And it says this, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Another translation says you are not controlled by the flesh, but you are controlled by the Spirit. Do you believe that? It's true anyway, right? It's true whether you believe it or not. This is an excellent declaration to speak over yourself. I walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Let's do it. I walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. I'm controlled by my Spirit, not by my flesh. Isn't that what Paul said? I keep my body under What's he keep it under? A blanket? No, under his spirit. In other words, I keep my body in subjection under the authority of my recreated spirit. That's Jesus tough, right? We're people who keep our bodies under the authority of our recreated spirit. We keep our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions under the authority of our recreated spirit. It is impossible to experience the wholeness that God has provided for you unless you're walking in the Spirit. The wholeness that God has provided for us through Christ, which is yours now, today, cannot be experienced unless you walk in the Spirit. If you're walking in your soul, forget it. If you're letting your emotions control you, your, your mind, if you're letting your body control you, forget it. It's not going to happen. 
That's a backwards way of living. That's what happened when Adam fell. He went from walking in the spirit to walking in the flesh. And Jesus came and flipped us right side up again, right? He's, he's made our spirits new. Now our spirits have authority over our soul and over our bodies, all right? So walking in the spirit is essential to experiencing the wholeness that he's brought to us. And we, we, boy, this, this mind is an amazing thing. It's a God thing that he's given us. It's a place where, where images are manufactured and dreams and it's very powerful. In fact, in Proverbs ch uh, chapter 23, verse 7, we looked at this last week, maybe the week before it as well, but it's so important. It says something about our soul. It says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Now, the other reading of this, this is a little footnote in my uh, Bible software, another rendering of this. For as he reckons in his soul... So he is. Wow. That's startling, isn't it? For as he reckons in his soul, so he is. Jesus said basically the same thing in Matthew 9.29 in the message translation. He said, become what you believe. Now, there are Christians who are unfamiliar with the true knowledge of God, and they hear what I'm saying, and they say, what is this, some kind of new age philosophy? This must be a cult. Don't come here anymore right? It's just the simple Bible. These are the basic fundamentals. This is the milk of the Word, okay? This is the milk of the Word, the fundamentals, faith. Become what you believe. Remember that simple definition from the dictionary of believe? What you accept as true. So as a man thinks or believes, so he has become what you accept as true. Even if it's not true. So regardless of, of what true, what's really true, the things that I accept about myself, I, if I accept them long enough, I'll become them. Even if it's not who God made me to be. That's amazing, isn't it? It's very powerful what God has given us. Did you know that everybody is a believer? <laughs> I didn't say everybody's a believer in Christ, but everybody's a believer. Not a believer, but a believer. <laughs> but it's how we're all made. Human beings are made to believe. It's true. We're made. Everybody's believing something. Regardless of, of what that is, whatever philosophy or non-philosophy or social group people are in, everybody's believing something. Even if you say, I believe in nothing, you're believing something. That's your beliefs. As he is, so he, as he believes, as he reckons, so he is, right? So it's not a question or not if someone is believing. It's a question of what or who they believe, Right? So we don't have to wonder if a person's believing. They are, everybody's believing all the time. That's how we're made. We believe 24-7. It's not a question of are we believing, it's what are we believing. Right. Who are we believing? Right. That's the question that you want to answer and answer it clearly. Okay? Because what I accept is true 
what I believe, if I believe it long enough, I'll eventually become it. We're made in the image of God. We're made to believe. God believes in you. Do you know that? God's given us this ability to believe. And this ability to believe transforms us. And it transforms our circumstances. Bible calls it faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul's talking. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is writing this through Paul, right? This is spirit-inspired word. He starts out by saying, I beseech you. Powerful word. You know what beseech means? It means to urgently and fervently implore. This is serious business, isn't it? Kind of like if the building's on fire and someone's standing there at the staircase saying, come on, get out. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you keep your bodies under the authority of your spirit, that you walk in the spirit is what he's talking about. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's reasonable service, right? To keep our bodies in subjection to our spirit. You can do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Don't let anyone tell you you can't. You walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Okay? That's who you are. God made you through Christ a spirit being, a walk in the spirit being. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. That's external, the world around us. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the basic difference between, between being conformed and transformed? Conformed is when you let the pressure from the world around you shape and change you. What pressure from the world around you? The things people say to you? The pressure people put on you to be who they think you should be or who society says you are. There's pressure put on us each day to conform, to, to accept the things that man says about us. It's a daily pressure. That's being conformed. What's being transformed? Being transformed is being changed from the inside out. And you're changed not by out external pressure from man, but by internal faith in God. So when I put my faith in the promises of God, a transformation begins to take place inside of me. You might not be able to see it. It's going on in here. I'm a different person than I was last Sunday. I'm being transformed. You're stronger than you were at 6 a.m. We're being transformed. Because our faith is not in what they say, what's going on in the world, not in the social standards of the day. Our faith is in the promises of God. And if your faith's not in the promises of God, you're going to be conformed instead of transformed. You can't put your faith in something you don't know. So you need to learn the promises of God what God has done for you through Christ. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove 
what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if my faith is not in the promises of God, I'm not going to be able to prove anything about God. If my faith is in the promise of God and I'm being transformed by God, I will be living proof of that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When people spend time with us, they should see proof of what Christ has done in us. They should see a joy that's unexplainable in us, a hope and a confidence and a strength that's beyond this world because our faith is in him and we're being transformed. Verse 3, for I say through the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? God's favor, God's calling and confidence uh, given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't exalt your own wisdom above the Word of God. Don't do it. Don't exalt man's wisdom, man's opinions above the Word of God. You'll miss out on what God has for you. If God says it, it's true. It's just that simple. Right? So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, clearly, according as God hath given, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Faith is something God has deposited inside of every one of us. It's just a question of what we do with it, right? Who and what we put our faith in. All right. Let me see here. We're going to get to a little video I have. We're almost there. So this whole idea of believing, this whole idea of faith, listen, you can't live real life apart from faith in God. If you haven't put your faith in Christ, you're not living yet. We were designed from the womb up, the womb out, to live by faith. This is amazing, to live by faith in the one who knit us together in the womb. Right, Ray? Awesome. Ray knows all about this. Yeah. How the little ones have an inherent knowledge of God. Sometimes they get talked out of it by the adults, right? So you can't live apart from faith in God. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And we're almost there. We're going to get into a little video. It's going to, oh, it's, it's just so good. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. So we're not ashamed, right, of this good news of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. Why would we be ashamed of good news? Because of the pressure that people are putting on us, right? Uh-uh, we're not ashamed of the good news. We're built Jesus tough. For it's the power of God that transforms me daily. Hallelujah. The good news of Christ. What's the good news of Christ? He rose for me. He died and he rose for you. I'm not ashamed of that. It transforms me. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone. So if you don't believe it, what happens? Is the power still there? Yes, but you don't experience it. Right. See, what we believe does not create truth. 
Truth is Jesus. And he's truth whether I believe him or not. So, so we don't create truth as human beings. God did not give us the ability to create truth. He existed long before we ever did. But what I believe does not create truth, but it does determine how much of real truth I experience. Okay? Verse um, 17. For therein, in the good news of Christ, that he came for you, that you might have life and life abundantly, he died for you, he rose from the dead for you, therein is the righteousness of God revealed, how God operates, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I like what the Living Bible says. The man who finds life will find it through trusting God through believing God, through accepting God's word as truth. Isn't that wonderful? I love what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 7. He was speaking to the religious leaders, and he said, your tradition, what you believe, has made the word of God of no effect in your life. Isn't that amazing? That's kind of like someone dropping you right in the center of a nuclear reactor and it having no effect on you. God's Word is so powerful, right? Nothing's more powerful than the Word of God. But if you don't believe it, it has no effect in your life. Wow, that's amazing. We believe. We're believers, right? Hallelujah. Okay, so what is Satan up to? Suggestions. Satan's trying to pull you away from the power of God. He doesn't mind your tradition. He encourages them. He comes up with them. Right? Anything that'll make you kind of feel spiritual and make you feel like, okay, my conscience is okay, but there's no real power in it. It's called religion. Right? It has the appearance of godliness, but there's no real power in it to set you free. So he's going to suggest things to you on a regular basis to see if you'll bite, to see if he can pull you away from the real power of God that transforms us daily. The simple truth, the simple good news that God sent his son to give you life today. Suggestions. I'm amazed by the power of suggestion. Can I read you a definition of the word suggestion? And then we're going to go into a video. I love when God does this. You know, you're, you're seeking the Lord about, you know, where we're going and the direction of the church and what to, to focus on. And, and he gives you insight into something. And then you discover a documentary or a show that's talking about that very thing that God just showed you. And that's what we're going to watch, about five minutes of it. So here's what a suggestion is straight from the dictionary. A suggestion is an idea or a plan Put forward for consideration. Makes sense, right? Let's go a little deeper. A suggestion is the action or process of calling up an idea. Calling up an idea. Or thought in someone's mind by associating it with other things. Are we all awake? Let's all wave our hands, make sure we're awake. Are we all awake? I don't want you to miss this. 
I don't want you to miss this. God brought you here today just for this. Okay, please grab a hold of this. A suggestion is the action or process of calling up an idea or thought in someone's mind by associating it with other things. Let's go a little deeper. A suggestion is the influencing of a person to accept an idea, belief, or impulse uncritically. Especially as a technique in hypnosis or other therapies. We're, we're coming home. Go a little deeper. A belief or impulse induced by suggestion. Let's go a little deeper. I looked up the origin of the word suggestion. You want to really understand a word, do an etymology on it. In other words, you study the origin of the word. Are you ready for this? Comes from the Latin suggerere. I'm not sure how to say that. <laughs> and you know what it means? An incitement to evil. It carries with it this sense of an incitement to evil, to darkness. Guess where the word suggestion comes from? Suggest, right? I looked up that word. Going a little deeper. I'm sorry. Yeah, the origin, well, the origin of both words is the same, sagerere. But if you break that word apart, suggest, and the origin, sub and gerere, it means to bring from below. Yeah, darkness, right? An incitement to evil and to bring from below. Why is this important? Because man has suggestions for you and doesn't even realize where they're coming from. Man can't make you whole. Man can't solve your problems. Only God can do that. We can't experience wholeness apart from God. He's, he's wholeness himself. So we learned last week that your soul is the deciding witness in your life. There's three parts to who you are, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit knows who you are. Your spirit will not lead you astray. Your soul could, right? So your spirit is born again, made in the image of God, united with God. Your soul isn't. Your body isn't. Okay? So inside of you, you need another witness with your spirit. That second witness is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. When you bring your soul into agreement with your recreated spirit, power happens. Put up for uh, Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So when I put my faith in the word of God and make my soul agree with it, it becomes established in my life. My body will fall in line. It's outnumbered two to one, right? By the same token, every word, doesn't just mean God's word, if a suggestion 
is introduced into my life. And I accept it with my soul. And I accept it long enough, it's going to be established in my life. Eden, we're ready for the video. Are you ready for this? Don't play it yet. Oh, or do we have one more scripture before the video? We have one, or is this it? Oh, I jumped the gun, didn't I? Oh, I'm so excited about this video. I jumped the Okay, yeah, I did. I did. I jumped the gun, Eden. I'm glad you're awake over there. Let's talk a little bit more, then we get in the video, all right? So whatever word I accept, if I accept it long enough, it's going to be established in my life. That's how things are established, right? We accept them. We bear witness to them. Now, we talked about ancient Greek culture a little bit last week. And if you'll go back, we see in Acts chapter, I don't know, like 17, Paul's in Athens, whatever chapter that is. And he sees that, that, that these, the leaders of this city, they spend their time sitting around considering suggestions. They called it philosophy, right? That's what they love to do. Hear the latest suggestion and mull it over and consider the merits of it. And as a result, they're a very confused people. In fact, from ancient Greek culture, a statement emerged and the statement was this, know thyself. You ever heard that? It's still a mantra today, know thyself. You can't know yourself apart from knowing God. You can't because you didn't make you. And man didn't make you. God made you. If you want to know who you really are, know the one who made you. It's in knowing, it's in having an intimate, vibrant, daily relationship with the one who made me that I discover who I really am. And, and in this ancient Greek culture, they began to exalt man, man's ability to reason. And that took us all the way into the you know, 17th century. Uh, what were some of their, their statements that, that came out? Um, I think, therefore I am. You've heard that one before? I'm not, I don't exist because I can think. I am because God made me. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't exist because of the abilities in me. You see what that says? I think, therefore I am. In other words, because I have this ability, I am. No, he is I am. And I am made me, and I am because he's I am, right? It, it was a shift in thinking. A very different way of thinking, and the emphasis was on you being the answer. And boy, has that permeated America, Western Europe and Western society, where you got to find the answer for you, or man has the answer for you. But there's nothing true about that. God is the answer for you in every area of your life. And it's going to hurt a little bit because this has been sewn so deeply into the fabric of people's thinking, and we're going to have to rip out those stitches. Amen. All right? Okay. Hallelujah. John G. Lake said this, famous uh, minister, evangelist, missionary. He said, when a Christian tries to live by reason... He's moving out of God's country into the enemy's land. We belong in the miraculous and the supernatural realm. The devil's fears are always falsehoods. His suggestions are always lies. And if lies, they cannot harm. 
If fear comes from Satan, then we can conclude there is nothing to fear. Amen. So man's methods of trying to help you are based on man's reasonings, on man's wisdom, on man's suggestions, on man's opinions. God's method is very simple. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Grasp the simplicity of God's deliverance in your life. He sent his word and healed them. It's this simple. God is truth. He is life. He speaks. We believe we're healed. Now we're ready for the video. This is from... Uh, PBS special Nova. And the title of this, I just love when God does this, is called Memory Hackers. And it's a five-minute snippet they did of false memory study. And they're showing how false memories can easily be implanted in you. Eden, roll it. to put the sound up there. For people with post-traumatic stress disorder. But reconsolidation is more than just a therapeutic tool. If the act of recalling a memory makes it vulnerable to change, this may also explain something we've known all along, that our memory is often an unreliable narrator. I could swear by it and would pass every lie detector test that... I had met Mother Teresa, but I hadn't. Something that I wanted to happen, but it never did happen. I believe that my earliest memory was a very happy memory of going to a movie called The Greatest Show on Earth. And it wasn't until much later I found out that the, the movie was released when I was eight years old. So it couldn't have been my earliest memory. This comes as no surprise to Elizabeth Loftus. She spent the last 40 years exploring exactly how unreliable our memory is. I think people ought to pay more attention to the fact that there, there are memory errors all around them. Her work has inspired a generation of researchers, including psychologist Julia Shaw. The question isn't, do we have false memories? It's how false are our memories? There's so many things that can and do go wrong along the way. To find out how wrong, Shaw has designed perhaps the most comprehensive study ever on false memory. She starts by recruiting over a hundred people for what they think is a study about their childhood memories. So this is my first meeting with the participant. The first event which we'll be talking about was the time when you were 12 and you moved from Trinidad to Kelowna. I hated you. Actually, the study is to see if it's possible to implant a false memory about committing a crime. I had colleagues saying, this isn't gonna work. There's no way you will get individuals to think that they committed a crime that never happened. She begins with a true event gathered from their parents. In this case, a family move. We, we moved around like every year kind of thing. But this was just a trick to gain trust. The next step is to introduce the false memory, a fight so severe that the police were called. 
So the other event which your parents reported happening was when you were 14 years old, you initiated a physical fight and the police called your parents. You said it happened in Kelowna in the fall. And you were with Ryan when it happened? Only two of the details are real. The name of the best friend and the place she lived at the time. The rest is made up. Honestly, I don't remember. I don't, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't, I feel like I've, I don't think I've ever been in a fight. <laughs> I'm so confused. Um... Shaw then turns to a series of cognitive techniques known to induce false memories, starting with an imagination exercise. I'd like you to relax, close your eyes, and focus your attention on trying to retrieve this Okay. Bolstered with a little social pressure. This might seem a bit strange, but it does work for most people. Subtly introducing this notion that it works for most people if they try hard enough, which is a subtle form of social manipulation. Leave the volume up. Did you catch that? A cognitive technique, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get you, induce this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to believe this. The enemy operates this way. Go ahead. Go ahead, roll it. And asks the participant to visualize certain details of the stories. Introducing things that are easy to picture first. Picture yourself at the age of 14. Picture yourself at the age of 14. That's, that's an easy thing to picture. In Kelowna. In Kelowna, the place that she lives, that, that she lived at the age. Also easy to picture. And it's fall. It's fall. Everybody can picture fall. And you were with Ryan when it happened. When people imagine events that might have occurred in their past, we know that that's a potent uh, way of creating a false memory. After giving the memory a week to set, she brings the participant back. She looks different, doesn't so, she? welcome back. And so by the time we get to interview number two, we're seeing a different story. Troubled, right? I remember, um, like, a, a verbal fight, and maybe I... Seems so unlike, but maybe I pushed or something? Good, okay. So this is where she's first fully buying into this idea that she's actually had a fight. I feel like she pushed me first. Okay. And this person is starting to picture how it could have happened. And what could have been turns into what would have been turns into what was. So by the third interview, the memory has taken hold. I think the cops showed up and we were kind of having a, maybe a, like a ver verbal kind of fight and then it kind of maybe got to a push. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just this once. Shaw was able to convince over 70% of participants that they committed a crime. I think I just lost it. Couldn't take that anymore. Okay. I was incredibly surprised at the rate that I had in terms of successfully implanting these false memories. Can you physically feel things in the memory? Yes. And yet there we were, and they just kept coming and coming and coming. Mm -hmm. So much so, Shaw's team cut the study short. So, this is a false memory study. And the ramifications go way beyond fooling college students. False memory studies like this question one of the cornerstones of the criminal justice system. We're going to have to stop there. All right. You can bring the lights back up. Thank you, Dennis. What, isn't that something? Listen, we need something much more reliable, much more sure than our memory to build our lives on. You, I don't want to shake you, but your memory's not accurate. 
It's not. You know, I, I, you know, we have the mind of Christ, yes. But listen, in the soul realm and with, with Satan suggesting things and a trained counselor suggesting things, you can, you can be led into a whole different re- arena and never get out. See, why did that girl accept something that never happened? It never happened. But there are two elements of truth in it, right? The name of the town and her friend's name. That was it. Why did she accept that? Because she's sitting in someone's office who's supposed to know things. Right? Who do you revere? The word of man or the word of the Lord? That's what it comes down to. When you're sitting talking with man, who are you revering? What they say about you or what God has said? It's time to revere the word of the Lord. He sent his word and he healed them. So we're not searching books to try and find an answer. We're putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We're taking God at his word and we're being delivered from the darkness. We've been delivered from the darkness. He's healed us. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. We need something more reliable than our memory to build our lives on. Hebrews 13.8. Put that up there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I'm telling you that people who are trying to find answers for depression and going to counseling is off the charts. And the answer's right here. Jesus Christ is unchanging. He's perfect love. He'll always love you. He's always for you. He made you and he has a great purpose for your life and no one can change that. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at this, Malachi. Pull Malachi up there. What is it, chapter 3? Look at this. For I, the Lord, do not change. And as the result of my immutability, therefore you are not consumed. In other words, because I'm unchanging, you're whole. Ha! Right? Because I'm the unchanging one, you're whole. I'm your protection. I'm your shield. If you rely on the unchanging one, wholeness comes. But you have to be aware of the suggestions of man's methods of trying to take you back, to trying to figure you out. Man can't figure you out. Man is basically clueless. And that's not to slam anybody. I'm in the same boat. We're clueless when it comes to who you are. God made you. I didn't. Right? So let's do this. God is so good. Hallelujah. Let's look at a few more scriptures, then we're going to speak the word. Are you ready? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers. Methods come and go. Right? The flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Are you willing to step away from these accepted methods and be whole? Come on. Are you willing to stand up and say, okay, God, I I forsake it all. I want you and you alone. People are going to laugh at you. You may have peers that criticize you and think you've gone off the deep end, but you'll be whole. You'll be enjoying the life that God has for you. 1 Peter 1.25. But the word, 1 Peter, 1 Peter, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you this morning. 
Amen. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God, every single one, that's you if you put your faith in Christ, overcomes the world. We rise above the suggestions of man and we live the life God came to give us. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen, God has no suggestions. He's truth. He's never given a suggestion. And He never will. He has none. When He speaks, it's truth. It always will be. It always has been. That's just who He is. He can't give a suggestion. I love that about Him. I love that God has no opinions. Isn't that wonderful? God has no theories. Hallelujah. He knows all, and when he speaks, it's so, regardless of how impossible it might look. Would you accept his word for you this morning? Receive his word. Hallelujah. Listen, I want to give you something to do during the week, all right, to speak the word. Let's put up 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. That's two things. Believe and speak. We also believe and therefore speak, verse 16, 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, not at the changeable stuff, but at the unchangeable stuff. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not are eternal. So this is what we're going to do right now. Put that confession up there, Eden. This is taken from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Romans 8, 9, and Galatians 2, 20 through 21. Something you should be doing regularly on a daily basis is speaking the Word of God to your soul. Tell your mind what to think and how to feel. Tell your emotions how to feel. Tell them what to feel. You have that authority. This is what man doesn't understand. You tell your mind what to think about. You tell your emotions how to feel. Soul, you will bless the Lord. I'm full of joy and strength and peace and life. Are you with me? You need to take authority over your soul. Man can't do it for you. All right? So here's an example. Let's say this together. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your soul's hearing you. You realize that, right? Old things, that's your past. Why go back there? It's over. Old things have passed away. The past is behind me. Everyone say that again. The past is behind me 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 and all things that includes my soul all things have become new I walk in the spirit not in the flesh I have been crucified with Christ. There's my past. And I no longer live. But Christ, why would you want to go back to a dead man's past? There's nothing there but death in your past. Do you see that? Our past is death. Today it's life. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. You can take a picture of that and take it with you this week. Hallelujah. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a memory scripture. 
You guys all right? Sometimes it takes time to be free, you know, because we've been believing things for so long, we need to change. But we're gonna, we've introduced the memory scripture of Philippians 3.10. We're going to introduce a new one today. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. But we're going to start with verse 4. This is our new memory scripture. And this is something I want you to say. I encourage you. I urgently and fervently implore you to speak this to your soul. Rejoice, soul. Rejoice in the Lord always. But you don't know all I've been through. You don't know the pain that I feel. Delight, soul. Gladden yourselves in Him. See, it doesn't matter what I've been through because He's greater. So instead of spending time analyzing what I've been through, I spend time meditating on who He is. And it makes me glad. The victory's in who He is, not what I've been through. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Soul, rejoice in the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm commanding you, soul, to delight and gladden yourselves in who He is. I'm commanding you, soul, to rejoice. All right? That's the first one. In verse 8, this is excellent. This is, this is a, a, a fortress around your mind right here. This is the criteria. If any thought's going to be allowed in your mind, it's got to pass this criteria. I put this fortress up my mind many years ago, and it's still there. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If it's not, trash. Drag it to the trash, right? It's got to meet every one of these things. If it doesn't, it's, it's rejected, all right? So those two verses, verse 4 and verse 8, are your memory scriptures. And remember, you get a reward if I ask you to recite your memory scripture, all right? All right, thank you so much for your patience. Hallelujah, isn't that good? I love it. Woo. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.